think at a certain point, we need to be giving over control to our teens as they navigate their way through their high school years and and helping us understanding that paving the way for them really isn't empowering and it's not giving them the skills that they need to thrive. Hey everyone, I'm Maria Sansone and welcome to another episode of Mom to Mom, the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I think you're going to like this conversation, especially if you have teens or tweens. I don't have teens or tweens yet, and I still got so much out of this conversation. Parenting is so tough, and I don't know how many times I've said, I wish they'd send you home from the hospital with a newborn baby with some kind of like guidebook, (laughs) you know? They just send you out into the world and you think, I'm not equipped for this. How nice it would be to have, oh, I don't know, a compass. Well, that's why I'm so excited about my guests today. I am talking to the authors of a book called The Parent Compass, Navigating Your Teen's Wellness and Academic Journey in Today's Competitive World. So I'm going to be talking to the authors, Cynthia Muchnick and Jen Curtis, and what a competitive world it is. How often do we see parents behaving badly with the best of intentions for their kids because of all these pressures and parents just trying so hard to do the right thing that they're actually doing the complete opposite of what they should be. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how not to be those parents. We're going to talk about how to support our kids, how to keep them on the right track without helicoptering them, and how probably most importantly, there isn't one path to success and letting our kids be kids and to explore all of the different things that they're interested in without letting our stuff get in the way. So here's a little compass for you, the parent compass. Here's my conversation with Cynthia and Jen. Cynthia and Jen, welcome to the mom cave. It's so good to see you virtually. We are, what do you say, like social media friends? <laughs> Definitely. We have, you got us through the pandemic. We love oh. mom to mom. We've been watching it and watching it grow. And we have been waiting our turn patiently. And we hope the next time you have us on, we'll be sitting next to you in your studio. But for now, we are so happy to be here. A girl can dream. Wouldn't that be fabulous? Well, thank you so much for all the support for mom to mom and right back at you because I'm a huge fan of the parent compass. And it is this fabulous book that truly navigates you through, you know, parenting and for all ages, that's what inspired you to write the parent compass. The main catalyst was operation varsity blues. And, um, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's the college admission scandal that, um, kind of rocked the college admission world. Lori Laughlin, Aunt Becky, um, and Rick Singer, the mastermind. And we called each other that day, just astounded at what was going down on the media, in the media. And um, we started to really talk about what we were seeing in our own practices. We are college counselors, educational consultants, and we were noticing, um, while, while certainly not amounting to fraud and bribery, we were seeing over the recent years, kids who were coming in who were voiceless, who were listless, who didn't have self-advocacy skills, and they were burned out and they were stressed out. And we were really tracing it to some parenting patterns that we were seeing. So the Parent Compass really was kind of born that day as we were talking to some of the negative parenting patterns that we were seeing, and also talking about the really positive parenting patterns that 
help students uh, become great self-advocates and um, have excellent health and well-being in high school. And we really wanted to share some strategies with parents to help them really navigate these difficult years with ease. Now, the Varsity Blues scandal definitely started the conversation for a lot of people, but this overparenting thing was nothing new. That, of course, was the extreme. But how did we get here? Because we have these conversations a lot on Mom to Mom about this style of parenting, this helicopter parenting, overparenting, whatever you want to call it. But how did we get here? Because my parents were not like that. And I don't even know if it's necessarily my generation that's like this. I think it started with competitive parenting, that this idea that somehow our kids' successes and achievements in some way in parents' view sort of became a reflection of the quality of our own parenting. And I think Varsity Blues really sheds light on the fact um, that so much of what those parents are doing, and and to a lesser degree, um, some of what we as parents are doing by paving the way and overparenting is really in service of our own egos in many ways, um, as opposed to really what's in the best interest of our kids. And so I think at a certain point, we need to be giving over control to our teens as they navigate their way through their high school years and, and helping us understanding that paving the way for them really isn't empowering and it's not giving them the skills that they need to thrive. Let's dive in there because I can't even imagine being a teenager in today's world. It is so stressful. I remember it being stressful when I was in school thinking about where I'm going to go to college and becoming an adult and all of those things. So what are you seeing among teens right now as they enter into that really stressful time in their life? I guess I can speak from experience as not just someone who's worked with teens for the last 20 years. And let me just say, I love this life stage. I chose to you know, commit my career to working with teens and tweens. And I just think this is the most exciting life stage. I was working with teens and tweens before I had my own. And now that I've had them, I obviously have a broader perspective of, you know, of, of their world. Cause you um, have four I, kids, right? <laughs> I four. do. I have one. Yes. I have four. One is actually already launched out of college. He's a high school teacher in Boston, right near you. <gasps> and then I have um, a, a current college student and then I have two high schoolers. So I'm really in the throes of it. And what I would say is, you know, this is kind of like my own home social experiment. I want to say the way that I might've parented my first two is different than the way I'm parenting my next two from the things I learned along the way, from the experience I gained as a mom and as a professional, and from everything I read out there from, you know, experts, thought leaders, psychologists, all those Mm -hmm. great parenting books and, and from also colleagues like Jen along the way. And so I think what we're seeing today, you know, if you ask this question before March, 2020, the answer would be slightly different, but what we're seeing today is a pretty extreme version of kids with, you know, a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression out there, kids who are feeling incredibly overwhelmed by the world that they're living in, by the competitive nature of high school in and of itself, by seeing parents compete with each other and serving as not great role models in that capacity. And, you know, if you throw in the uncertainty of COVID and this world landscape, um, it is a really hard time to be a teenager and just lop on social media and forget it. I mean, that really becomes the icing on the cake when you are seeing the world play out right in front of you with other peers in your class, other peers around the country and other peers around the world. And so we're seeing a lot of kids, to be honest with you, who aren't just choosing the straight path to college. And we think bravo. We actually think that's great. I mean, 
you know, we've worked with kids who are getting ready to go to college, but we have learned that there are other ways that parents can be flexible in helping their kids into new directions. And so we're seeing kids saying, I want to take a gap year. I'm, you know, I'm burnt out and I'm tired. I want to try something different like trade school or community college for a little while, or I want to work part-time and do an internship. Or I want to learn a language and do some immersion in another country. I mean, for that matter, even with COVID. So there are programs all over the place that, that don't necessarily guide our kids straight into the four-year college path. And a generation ago, taking a gap year might oh, have raised some eyebrows. Absolutely. Like what, what happened to your kid? What's wrong? And, and now we're celebrating it. And actually, I myself am a parent of a college student who called me um, and said, look, my sophomore year of college looks like it's going to be totally online. That's just no fun. Like, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't yeah. envision myself on a computer. I've already talked to my summer internship. They're going to agree to continue to pay me through the year and I'm going to work, but I'm going to live near college with my friends. And I thought, wow, that sounds great. Let me embrace the parent compass. Let me pivot. Let me let you make this decision for yourself. And he really has looked back on this year as it was the best decision he ever made as for himself. And we supported it. Yeah. When I was graduating high school, I don't know anybody that took a gap year. It's just not something the gap year wasn't even part of the, the language back then. So I like that we don't have to go by the book all the time. We don't have to be on the same schedule as anyone else. And that's what I like about your book, too, is you really challenge the idea of what success is and looks like. And you really invite us all to kind of bring that into our families so that it's not just one thing, right? Nothing is ever a straight line. Success is definitely something that we look at. And, you know, it's always seems like it's something measured. You know, we're comparing kids to other classmates. We're comparing our own kids to each other. And that's just a bad approach as a parent and, yeah. you know, as an adult. And really um, success has shifted the way we define it. It's, it's less about the grades and the test scores. And we see, you know, and less about kind of the name brand college right now. It, and it seems to be more about understanding that you can live a life of purpose. You can live a life where you explore things you enjoy. Um, kids who can self-advocate are, you know, are achieving their own success because they can speak up. And also, you know, success can be failures and making mistakes. So as parents, we should celebrate, although it seems strange to not bail our kids out and want to fix things and want to catch them. But in order for them, you know, to redefine this success where we're appreciating not this end result, but taking the long view and, you know, appreciating kids finding the right fit. I mean, there's so many other ways that success can be measured. And we've become a society that's focused on rankings and numbers and, and achievement moments. And we need to shift that paradigm in order I, to have, have mentally healthy kids. I love what you're saying. And hindsight is 2020, right? But I wish I could tell young Maria that my perceived failures would ultimately lead me to all of the successes. Let's talk a little bit about burnout. I know that this is something as adults that we certainly experience, but it's happening more and more with teenagers. And for all of the reasons that we were just talking about, how do you recognize if your child is burnt out? That's a great question, Maria. And um, we are definitely seeing it more in this generation because of the over-programming combined with, you know, what kind of COVID has done to kids that are churning in the you know, privacy of their bedrooms. There's definitely some key signals to look for in our own teens, lack of motivation, 
withdrawal, you know, avoidance of social activities, the ones that are possible even in people's backyards or as they're resuming getting back together. There's also the mental health concerns, anxiety and depression. And, and we can look for some of these signals in the way our kids' behavior might be changing. And sometimes it's hard to perceive them because there's also just teenage experience, hormones and adolescence. So we're trying to kind of figure out both at the same time. And I would say to, as a parent, educate yourself on the signs of anxiety and depression, you know, which were some of the things I kind of mentioned, but in addition, it's not a bad idea to check in with the other adults that might be spending time with your kids. It doesn't mean going over your kid's head and emailing their teachers, nothing like that. But for example, if your kid spends time with another friend in the car or at their home, check in with that mom, you know, just um, to build your own village and say, you know, are you noticing anything weird about my son? You know, he's been so quiet with me and that mom will probably say, oh my God, no, he's crazy happy and eating snacks and I'm not noticing that. Or, or, you know, also mental health experts are great people. You know, tons of kids are in great therapy that's supporting them. That's not through their parents, but through mental health professionals. So don't be afraid to find someone else for your kid to talk to. You can do it all virtually now. It's also through lots of mental health plans. They offer free counseling and school counseling as well through, you know, through a school counselor or or a therapist. Jen, I would think with the pandemic that it would make identifying burnout that much harder because kids aren't doing the things that they would normally do. And there's a lot of time at home with mom and dad. And so you don't know if they're just bored with you or over you or actually going through it. Right. For parents who are concerned that maybe their child is experiencing burnout or who kind of just want to walk along their their child as they're kind of trying to tease this out. We do really encourage parents to encourage your teen to schedule downtime. This can be a really great way when you do it intentionally and it's part of your everyday routine, your teen will be better able to recharge and recover. We also want parents to know that it's okay for teens to explore and it's okay for us as parents to give them the room to explore. So they don't need to be so structured all the time. And in fact, what we see in our practices is that the pressure of picking one activity or specialty at 15, 14 years old can actually be really overwhelming and not age appropriate for teens. And so some advice would be to kind of allow your teen to try out different activities and interests and understanding that your teen learning that he or she does not like an activity can be just as valuable as learning that he or she does. Absolutely. Um, And you take that into adulthood. You don't know the job you don't like till you've done it, right? Oh, you've done it. Exactly. I I feel like this is a generational shift because when I was growing up, I had parents who were sort of like, pick your thing, pick your thing. You're going to do swim team. You did that for a week. I bought you the swimsuit. Then you wanted to do ice skating. I bought you the ice skates. And I remember having these conversations, but I was exploring. I was just seeing what I was good at and what I wasn't good at like swimming. Still can't swim, by the way. Um, But now our generation, we are more likely to let the kids see what their thing is and they don't have to be the best at it, I think is also what we want to we want to stress. Right. And I think that in general, you're describing what we call round kids and pointy kids. And the pointy ones are, you know, focused on that and go all the way through till the end with that, you know, interest and passion. And sometimes it works out great. And other times, even as late as their junior year of high school, they want to quit whatever that activity is. We talk about kids in our book. We use real case studies from students we've worked with, students we've interviewed, students we've met, about this exact topic. And we have a chapter devoted to kind of burnout in sports and in activities. And 
our kids deserve to do the things that they enjoy. And when the things that they enjoy become so stressful and so overwhelming that they're burnt out and they stop enjoying it. What's the point? Why are we pushing and pushing? There's, there's no need. I know we've invested a lot of our own time and probably resources into supporting their interest, but again, this is their life and their journey. So for them to look back and go, Oh, my mom just forced me and dragged me. And I mean, what's that all about? You know, we don't, nobody wants their kids to be in therapy later in life because of mistakes we made. We want to let them, you know, make these mistakes and make these discoveries on their own. And we usually expose them to things we know, but it's so wonderful and surprising when they bring us back things they want to try that we know nothing about because it gives them an opportunity to teach us to get for us to get excited about something new for them to be the expert in something or the person learning something new. And, and our job is just to support that. You know, I have a daughter who used to bring me the iPad and say, can you type in the credit card so I can join this activity? And I would just laugh because I was so busy with her older siblings that I didn't have time to look into things. And she just did it on her own. And one day she told me, you know, she's really interested in the flying trapeze. And I thought, are you kidding me? Like, did you watch a circus video? And so we looked into it and explored it. She found a camp where she could do it. She you know, took some lessons and, but it's a, it's a weird interest and scares the heck out of me. And she did it for a while. And now she's kind of like, that was fun. Now I'm on to something new. She's not going to go to Cirque du Soleil and she's, I'm not looking for her to go to college and become, you know, get into, but if she likes it and enjoys it, and that's a fun way to spend her chosen free time, I'll, I'll do my best to help support it. One of the things that I took from the book and applied to my life immediately the best that I can is taking those interests. For example, if your child is interested in the flying trapeze or right now, my (laughs) daughter is really into gymnastics. Thank you very much. Olympics. She is just doing splits everywhere and she's doing cartwheels in the house and knocking over lamps and everything else. But one of the things you said in the book is just, you know, you don't even have to take the step necessarily of signing them up for class, but just listening to them, letting them tell you about their interest. And that's something I tried to apply right away. So Grace will get me and just want to talk about splits for as long as I'll listen. And I didn't realize how important just that time is where you can truly engage and just let them tell you. So much of the time we want to impart advice and we want to fix. fix. And so it really, really impacts our listening skills. And so much of the time, all they want us to do is listen. And when it comes to sharing interests, we we gave a few examples in the book, but one of my favorites is an old student of mine who um, was super into the stock market, but his mom knew nothing about the stock market and didn't really care about the stock market, frankly. But every single morning they sat together at the breakfast table and they watched as Wall Street opened. He almost wrote his essay about it because it was so impactful to him. So I think that that I, what you say is so true when we can really just step back, zip our lips, not have our own agenda, not need to control the conversation and just let them talk. That's where we connect. And that's where they feel understood. And they feel like we do care about their interests. So if I've learned anything from this so far, it's as a parent, we got to let the kids do their thing. You do you is what I'm hearing. What about kids in middle school or even younger? Do you have any advice as, you know, kids start the new school year, how we can be more supportive as parents so we don't start seeing these things like burnout and stress as they get older? I think our biggest piece of advice is to help them uh, practice their self-advocacy skills. 
and to give them opportunities to do that. So examples might be if they go to a restaurant, even little kids are perfectly capable of ordering their food or asking for a cup of water or asking for coloring. Um, Or when you go to the doctor, you know, uh, even a young child can tell the doctor in his or her own words, you know, what hurts or why he or she is there. And, And maybe you need to come in and fill in the blanks and that's fine. Um, But at least they understand that they have a voice and that voice is important. I also think that we can help young students be individuals. We can let them decorate their room any way that they want to, which I will admit is really difficult for me. (laughs) Um, I tend to like things to look a certain way. Um, but I, I know that my kids get so excited when they can post pictures that they've drawn all over their walls or their ribbons that they're proud of or whatever the case Mm -hmm. might be. Um, but letting them have their own space that really reflects them. And then lastly is just to watch them as they do hard things. So one of the things that's really difficult for me is watching how my, my daughter makes her bed. It's not the way I would make it, but I need to remember to let that be the way that she makes it. And she made her bed and that's a win for the day. Um, Or or the way that she dresses herself as another example, letting them just do their stuff and, and watch them as they do it. I think dressing themselves is an easy way for us to relinquish a little control and let them express themselves and, and, and do their thing. It can be tough though. Yes. Um, <laughs> so one last final thought as we wrap up here, Cynthia, any pep talk for parents as we head into <laughs> a new year that's very different than last year? Yeah, this new school year ahead. I mean, there's a lot of articles out there. Read them, you know, read them all with a grain of salt, but but read them and see how they apply to you. I would say a couple highlights would be, you know, encourage your teen to be patient with this return that, you know, they're going to be relearning how to be in a classroom environment, which they've been out of, you know, home in their pajamas and on their beds and, you know, and um, on devices. And there's going to be bumps in the road as we go through this, because we don't have a crystal ball on what this fall is going to really look like. So be flexible. Um, you know, the quality that we have of the relationship with our teen, we just, we heard a great quote from um, uh, Dr. Dan, um, who has this podcast called The Parent Footprint. And he said he had heard a psychologist speak many years ago. And what the psychologist said at the end of the talk was after 18 years, after all these years that they're in your home, there's really only one thing that you have left when they leave. And what that is, is your relationship. And that really just stuck with me and with Jen. We, we felt so compelled to want to share more of that idea that you're, you're building this relationship with your kid on trust and on support and on empathy and wanting them to thrive as this young, you know, adult that's able to make their own decisions and have their own voice. And so I think showing empathy for their feelings and concerns as they go through this is, is one of the most important things you can do. I think that is so beautiful and so profound. And I think we do have to remember they are little people right? And so just developing those relationships. What a perfect place to end. This was such an amazing conversation. I thank you both so much, Jen and Cynthia, the ladies behind the Parent Compass. Let everyone know where they can find you out on the interwebs. So we have a website, parentcompassbook.com, which has a free book guide for downloading. If you, if you have a book club and you want to use our book as a book club, read an Instagram at Parent Compass, Twitter at Parent Compass One, Facebook, the parent compass. And then if you're on LinkedIn, we're at Cindy Muchnick and Jen Curtis, but we um, are so grateful for your time, Maria. And we love mom to mom. We're such fans. We'll continue to listen to what you say and, and support you as well. It's just been great to finally connect with you. Oh, blushing right back at you. Thanks so much for being here. <laughs> 
How nice to have a little navigation in this crazy thing called parenting. Thank you so much to the authors of The Parent Compass for this great conversation today. As always, we've got new episodes of Mom to Mom coming your way every Monday. You can watch us on television at NBC10 Boston on Mondays at 11:30 a.m. and you can hear a brand new podcast every Monday. I thank you so much for being here. And if you want to be part of our Mom to Mom community on Facebook, you can find us there at Mom to Mom with Maria Sansom. Guys, thank you so much and I hope this compass will help you today.